Digitalizing your business for the new normal? Enjoy all-in-one solutions covering e-commerce, marketing, remote working, even HR management. Stay connected 24-7 while you boost your business efficiency and expand your customer reach. Claim your 5,000 ringgit Banjana SME Digitalization Grant and save up to 70% with Go Digital with DG Business, Malaysia's largest internet network. To apply, visit dg.my slash go digital. This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. BFM 89.9, the business station. This is Matt Splate. 2020. Last week on Matt's Plane, we spoke about some of the changes the year has made to the way we work. But really, we could spend a decade dissecting what's happening this year. What we need is someone with the attention span of a gnat who can run through the year in 20 minutes. Someone like Matt Armitage. Um, we have to start any roundup of the year in tech with a device. I mean, I take you to task about saying I've got the attention span of a gnat, but I've already <laughs> forgotten what I was going to do. Um, but yeah, no, momentous news uh, in terms of devices. Apple released a new iPhone. Uh, no, um, yeah, I'm kidding. It's okay. Uh, a lot of things look very kind of superficial and minor after the year we've had. And in fact, we're still having. I think 2020 is going to last until well into the next calendar year figuratively speaking. Mm. Now, last week, we were summing up some of the changes that have happened to the technologies and situations surrounding our working lives. Next week, we'll be back. We're going to actually have a Christmas Eve special. So Matt's Blaine will be joining you on a Thursday just to make sure that you don't get into too festive a mood. Uh, you can think of me as a kind of social distancing protocol. But we will have two very special co-hosts. We'll have the Mattbot Infinity and the Bradbot 2 as we delve into the intertwining worlds of entertainment and artificial intelligence. So in this little sandwich filling of an episode, we'll run through some of the millions of other stories that didn't quite happen in 2020 in as close to 20 minutes as my long-windedness will allow. Is this where you kind of segue back to the iPhone? In a manner of speaking. So mostly I think we've been uh, more concerned with, you know, paying bills and loans than we have with upgrading devices that are still okay. So every generation of new phone you buy is actually a reason to keep that one for longer before the next upgrade. But Apple has released a game changer by all accounts. It's new M1 chip equipped Air and Pro laptops, which were released in late October. Now, normally computers are the last thing we talk about. We talk about screenless technology, tablets, mobile devices. Laptops and desktops have become well, if not cool, they've become a bit more desirable and a little bit exciting again this year. And anecdotally, my Facebook feed has been full of folks building and modding PCs this year, something that I haven't seen since about 2011. And I believe that includes you as well. Uh, yes. Um, two things, actually. Yeah, I, I've, I've built a, a brand new PC this year and I, I've spent considerably less on it than I thought I would. And to go back to the uh, M1 uh, MacBook Air, 
that's actually been something for the first time I've considered going back into the Apple camp and picking up a, a new MacBook. Yeah, exactly. You know, we've, uh, we haven't had a lot of excitement in this kind of area for a long time. But what we've also seen this year has been this corresponding nerd explosion in vintage computing with emulators and updated versions of classic machines appearing on crowdfunding mm. sites. Now, the Switzerland-based tech blogger, uh, and I have to say he is a, a friend of mine, Kian Wormsley, recently acquired an old Commodore 64. He started a regular column called Floppy Friday on his blog through the <laughs> interface, which details his experiments with the machine. So if you're interested in vintage programming, go and check through the interface app. Has uh, that translated into a sales boom? Well, we have seen a small increase in sales. That's still significant in a year where most economic sectors have recorded declines, especially as computer sales have been pretty stagnant for quite a long time now. There's even been evidence that the so-called Zoom boom has created such a demand for screen-enabled devices that it's actually pulling the Japanese economy out of recession. Now, obviously, that includes TVs and other devices as well as computers. But as we've both been saying, Apple's new M1 chip seems to be a game changer in terms of processing speeds if you're somebody who's tied into the Apple ecosystem or somebody like you mm. who's gotten very tired of being tied into the Apple ecosystem. <laughs> and, and also, you know, it might be the first time that you're not forced to do your gaming on a PC. But I think the real stealth device from this year could turn out to be the Chromebook. And that's pretty much been ignored for the past few years since it's been released, mm. to the point where I've requested review models from manufacturers to be told that they're not even carrying them. They're not even bringing them out in Malaysia. But it could turn out to be the right computer for our time. They're cheap, they're lightweight, they're mostly cloud-based, and they're perfect for studying and work at a time when the equivalent of uh, 2000 US dollars for a high-spec laptop is really a mortgage payment too far for most consumers. Right. Uh, we've also seen the phenomena of, of Zoom fatigue and, and the Zoom shirt. And well, let's go with uh, fatigue first. So the novelty of uh, working from home, Dalgona coffee, Instagramming your lovingly made Eggs Benedict breakfast quickly faded. Studies have shown that video meetings and conferences are considerably more tiring than in-person meetings because there's that performance anxiety aspect. Everyone thinks uh, they need to be heard participating, mm. especially on larger meetings and calls. You know, that nod of the head or the appreciative thumbs up. It's not even going to get you into the on-screen gallery. So we're divorced from all those subtle feedback cues that we normally get from people. This is such an issue that we reported on a, a show a couple of weeks ago about various startups that are trying to address these shortfalls with the assistance of artificial intelligence. On the subject of which, uh, the company that I signed up for for a beta, Headroom, they still haven't let me in. Um, did you want to talk about shirts? Well, sure. You know, by many accounts, clothing sales have plummeted this year. In fact, we've seen the demise of the brand uh, Topshop and Topman. But work from home has meant that we can spend all day in our pyjamas. And I have to admit, this year, I've only had cause to wear long pants three times since March. I've got racks of useless clothes in my room and shoes in my cupboard. 
So like many people, when I have a video meeting, I grab a presentable shirt, but otherwise I'm standing there barefoot and in my shorts. Mm. We record these shows without video, so I'm sitting here in my off-camera uniform of grimy undershorts and a thin trickle of soup and potato chip crumbs down my hairy torso. What a wonderful image. (laughs) I I thought I'd leave you with that. But it's been a running joke on Late Night with Seth Meyers that one of its writers turned up for a writer's room session in a tank top and shorts. But that underdressing and Zoom shirt phenomenon has quickly given way to anxiety about how we look on camera. Mm. There's a really fun article about this at the Atlantic website titled Americans Got Tired of Looking Bad on Zoom. It's by Amanda Mull. But essentially, we've gone up 180 degrees. We've started to look for lighting and green screens to make us look a bit more professional when we go online. Uh, Yeah, but some people look grainy no matter how much uh, or how many special effects you throw at them. Hey, you try living on crisps and cabbage soup for a year and tell me your appearance doesn't scare small children. (laughs) Yeah, true. But, you know, this leads us to the other half of the Zoom boom, which has been the peripheral shortage. Mm. Now, I swapped my laptop for a desktop mid-year, so I had to go out and buy a webcam. And it was nuts. It took me weeks to find a decent-ish mid-range model. And they were selling out as fast as they came into stock. Mm. And the prices were absolutely unbelievable. You know, webcams that would usually cost around 30 US dollars were going for closer to $100 on the reseller sites. Uh, decent USB microphones have been like gold dust. And it's been a similar situation with lighting. I think I got in early with that one before everything ran out. And I know a few local event companies who've transitioned into being high-tech streaming studios to capture this corporate demand for well-produced digital conferences and board meetings. We've also seen other electronic and consumer devices in short supply. With a lot of the barber shops closed, I ended up buying hair clippers from Canada through a reseller site. You know, it's been a very strange year. But there has been another reason for those shortages of cameras and microphones and other things. Well, yes, everyone and their cat now has a podcast. That's right. And in fact, you're probably going to hear both mine and Richard's cats on this recording because <laughs> both of our cats have been meowing audibly in the background throughout <laughs> this first session. But incidentally, uh, you can also find me on an urban planning and placemaking podcast called The Reflexive City, which uh, is produced with a local NGO. But there's been such an explosion of new podcasts that we've had to revert back to the egotistical main title of this show, Matsplained, rather than the abbreviation that we use, MSP, because there are now more rival MSP podcasts than anyone can comfortably listen to. Not that this one is particularly comfortable listening. But, you know, on the on the one hand, I think it's great to see such an explosion of creativity or boredom being put to great use. But it's been hard to listen to all the great shows, the podcasts that have come out this year. Uh, Louder Than a Riot on NPR is one highlight for me. It's about the links between the parallel rises of hip-hop and mass incarceration in the US. It's actually a a lot more fun than I make it sound. Uh, Now that uh, they can't gig, it's pretty much guaranteed that your favourite comedians all now have their own podcasts. Uh, Nice White Parents from the New York Times, that's another pick. It's about uh, schools and segregation in the US. Gimlet has How to Save a Planet, a climate change show that focuses 
more on the positives. It looks at the things that we can do to affect real change. So if you're thinking about kickstarting that new podcast over the Christmas holidays, please go ahead, but don't call it MSP. And uh, podcasts aren't the only startups we've seen this year, are they? Well, we talked before about the creative explosions that come out of recessions and dark moments in history. So we've also seen a bit of a startup surge this year. A Stanford University study of more than 16,000 workers who have been working from home over the past nine months found that their productivity increased by 13%. Now, the uh, same study notes that 13% equates to about an hour of work time. So you have to ask yourself, are those increasingly productive workers actually doing more work or are they just finishing their work day an hour early and doing other things with that time instead? Mm. So in the same way that people have been giving podcasting a go, work from home and lockdowns have proved to be the ideal hot housing environment for those long put off startup ideas. And the fundamental societal changes that we're seeing or that we're seeing opening up, uh, there are new business opportunities arising from, from these that a young, motivated and suddenly time-rich new entrepreneur class is rising to meet, especially with all those automation tools we discussed last week. So some new enterprises will be all-consuming affairs, but plenty of people have set up, you know, these simmering background retail businesses through e-commerce platforms. They don't need to handle stock or delivery. If no one orders, they lose practically nothing. But we'll really start to see the results of these new innovations in startups, I think, from next year when these bedroom ideas start to become more public realities. Now, like the podcasts, they're not all going to be successful, but some of them may end up being game changers, boundary shifters, and they may weave their way into our lives in the same way that Facebook, Instagram and TikTok have done over the past few years. And they will owe their genesis in some ways to COVID-19. When we come back, heading over to Matt's safe space. You are tuned into Matt's Plane here on BFM 89.9, the business station. Backing feminist movements, BFM 89.9. The Business Station. BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Welcome back to Matt Splained. I'm Rich Bradbury. Of course, I'm on the phone line with Matt Armitage from Culture Pop. And of course, the Matt from Matt Splained. Anyway, Matt, um, so far, we seem to have learned that um, you're a lot more concerned with, with how you look in video meetings than we might have imagined. And you, you find it irritating that you didn't choose a better set of initials than MSP. Space, what? Well, harsh but true. But yeah, you know, my safe space is an airless void. And it has been a big year for space. Mm. Uh, last year rounded off with the announcement of the establishment of the United States Space Force, which had a logo that was uh, uncannily similar to uh, a certain TV <laughs> space federation. But it's hard to believe that it was only 12 months ago. So much and so little has happened during those 12 months that anything pre-pandemic feels almost distant and ancient. Mm. 
And we haven't heard too much about Space Force since then, other than President Trump occasionally throwing it into the mix when reporters ask him too many questions about uh, coronavirus and the elections. Mm. And of course, we had the not quite as good as we hoped uh, Space Force comedy starring uh, Steve Carroll on one of the streaming services. But as we discussed recently, uh, SpaceX has scored a number of wins with their Dragon capsule this year. They successfully took a crew of astronauts up to the International Space Station for NASA just a few weeks ago. But the more momentous news comes from the December test of the company's Starship prototype, SN8. Because it exploded on landing? Well, it did. But uh, oddly, the destruction of the rocket isn't really that relevant. For listeners who aren't aware of the project, Starship is intended to carry up to 100 tonnes of cargo and up to 100 people into space. That represents an incredible milestone if we are to create long-term moon habitats and even send semi-permanent residents to Mars. It also looks really, really cool. Mm. I don't know if you've seen a, a picture, but it's like one of those rockets from a, a cheap sci-fi novel cover from the 1950s or 60s. You know, it's got big fins at the bottom. It's got a big chubby rounded body. So imagine the kind of rockets that we're used to, but they've been reimagined by the caravan company Airstream. Mm. So it lifted off as planned. It uh, rose to a height of about 40,000 feet, according to some news reports. But what's really interesting about it is the way that it descends. So SpaceX's current Falcon boosters come back to Earth headfirst, and then when they get near the ground, they flip on a gyroscope so that they can land standing up. Mm. Starship is modelled on a skydiver, so it actually comes down on its belly. The fins act to keep it stable. It stops it from spinning. And then its gyroscopes do the same trick, and it rights itself, and it lands upright on its tail. Um, why is the blowing up part not such a big issue? Well, as much as you want everything to go perfectly, what's really critical in rocket test launches is how long the rocket stays airborne and how many different manoeuvres it carries out while it's up there. And, of course, all the data that you gather from those tests so that you can tweak everything for the next test. Mm. It would seem, at least from the information that SpaceX has made public, that SN8 performed as hoped for the majority of its flight and that it was only on landing where an issue with fuel pressure apparently caused the fireball explosion. Musk tweeted out that it had been a great success, which was echoed by his rival in the commercial space business, Jeff Bezos. China has also continued its space tests. It successfully launched its largest Long March rocket earlier this year, and it's on track for its manned moon missions after it landed a rover on the dark side of the moon in 2019 from its Chang'e 4 mission. So they've successfully launched another probe, the Chang'e 5, in uh, November. And in the process, they've made one of its remote pilots, a 24-year-old female taikonaut called Zhu Chengyu, uh, a social media star in the process. Is a new space race something we should be uh, really focusing on, given all the problems that we have, you know, right here on Earth? Well, one of the things that Trump got right about the idea for Space Force is that space, or at least the, the bit that surrounds our atmosphere, could potentially become uh, increasingly weaponized. It's easy to overlook how dependent we are on things like satellites, the 
GPS. It provides the GPS that makes Waze work, for instance. Uh, we rely on it for weather and other valuable data. Also for the communications and entertainment pinging around the world. We're increasingly reliant on data that goes up and down rather than around our world. So there's a race on to create global broadband coverage from space-based satellites. There were reports uh, that in June, I think, Russia launched a new satellite that the US claims contains anti-satellite weapons capabilities, that it is basically a satellite uh, destroying uh, weapon. But those claims haven't been confirmed or denied by Russia, which claims it's only testing new technology. But this kind of deployment tends to have a domino effect, whether it's true or not. If countries perceive space-based threats to their satellite infrastructure, they're probably going to be compelled to put up their own protective or deterrent or offensive machines as well. Mm. So it all snowballs from there with that my bomb is bigger than your bomb type posturing. Right. Uh, and just coming back to these problems here on Earth, at this rate, we might need to escape to the stars in a generation or two. Well, if you let me stick with space just for a second, in a slightly left field move, Indonesia's president has uh, requested that Musk explore Indonesia as a potential location to develop a spaceport. Obviously, I don't know enough about spaceport construction, apart from the fact that being close to the uh, equator is the optimal position. But I would think that Indonesia's tropical climate might make launches a little bit unpredictable. But I'm more than happy to have a spaceport on my doorstep. You know, the idea of seeing those rockets launch yeah. is absolutely fantastic. But back to your comment, yes, uh, this month, in fact, marks the fifth anniversary of the Paris Climate Agreement. Now, this is a UN agreement to limit the rise of global temperatures to two degrees centigrade above pre-industrial levels. Evidence seems to point at that not really happening. You know, we've seen all sorts of horrendous things this year. Greenland being essentially green rather than icy for one. Mm. We've had zombie fires raging in peatlands in the Arctic across Siberia and North America. Canada's last intact ice shelf collapsed in August. We've seen calamitous wildfires ranging from the northern to the southern hemisphere. A sharp increase in the number of hurricanes and typhoons. There have been some small winds, so urban air quality increased in many cities at the start of the pandemic uh, because uh, lockdowns created these shutdowns in industries. They uh, scaled back. People stayed at home instead of driving to work every day. So we saw a reduction in the emissions uh, in a lot of our cities, but nothing planet saving. Mm. It's not that we've lost the battle. It's hoped that green energy initiatives and a shift in public thinking and consumption habits prompted by the virus could prompt us to make those changes and start to look more seriously at nature-based climate adaptation tools. So even things as simple as adopting new approaches to soil management on agricultural land just to increase the amount of uh, carbon that the soil sequesters. Yeah, and it's also the year that the James Bond radio telescope collapsed. Well, yeah, we spoke about this a few weeks ago, uh, that the uh, Arathibo radio telescope in the hills of Puerto Rico was being decommissioned after cables snapped over the summer. Unfortunately, at the start of December, it collapsed completely. The radio array plunged into the uh, station's uh, giant dish and shattered it. Mm. 
which is a shame. I mean, it's a cultural icon as well as an astrology fixture. It was used as a backdrop to the Bond movie Goldeneye, and it also figures in the Jodie Foster alien movie Contact. You know, for 50 years, the telescope has been helping to expand our knowledge of the universe and physics. If only we could go back in time, huh? Thank you for setting me up for that one. Yes, uh, at the start of the year, an astrophysicist called Ronald Mallet put forward claims that time travel might be possible. So time travel isn't actually precluded by Einstein's theory of relativity, but it was thought that it would require huge amounts of energy to do it, sort of the uh, supernova type levels of energy. But a lot of the theories concentrated more on bending space-time and flinging information into the future. Mallet's theory would make it possible to go backwards as well, at least a little bit. So his model uses the gravitational forces created by a ring laser. So as time and space twist themselves together, the ring laser could twist time into a loop. And that would enable you to travel backwards and forwards within that loop, a bit like fast-forwarding and rewinding an old videotape. So Mallet's next step is to secure the funding and build himself a laser prototype that could help him to create his very own Groundhog Day. All right. Um, so what should we end with? Well, we can't not mention the successful development of coronavirus vaccines in the uh, space of uh, a few months. I'm not going to talk about it beyond this because, you know, the media is full of commentary. There are plenty of other places you can go to hear about that. Uh, SETI at Home, the volunteer distributed computing experiment that searches radio signals for signs of extraterrestrial intelligence, was put on indefinite hiatus this year after more than 20 years of data gathering. Mm. The University of California Berkeley team behind the project will now process the enormous amounts of data that they've accumulated. But they have said they will detail plans to involve the public in the future of the project. So I guess the final item I want to add is that we've also seen the first concrete steps of uh, CRISPR gene editing technologies being used to edit diseases directly out of individuals. In April, doctors at the KCI Institute in Portland, Oregon, injected microscopic droplets of a carrier virus that had been engineered to deliver the instructions to manufacture the CRISPR gene editing machinery into the eye of a patient who was nearly blind from a condition called Leber congenital uh, amaurosis. It's hoped that uh, within a few years we'll be able to use similar techniques and carrier viruses to edit out cancers and to fight diseases in new ways that don't rely on vaccines and radiotherapies and other medical interventions that have side effects. Now, I know this has been a genuinely terrible year for so many people, but stories like this show us that, you know, it hasn't been a year without hope. Thanks very much for that, Matt. You have been listening, of course, to Matt Splained here on BFM 89.9. If you missed any part of the show, don't forget you'll be able to download the podcast wherever you normally download it from. I recommend using the BFM app. It's available in the Apple App Store or Google Play. This is Rich Bradbury for BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Thank you. 
Thank you for listening to this podcast. To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.